first and goal at the eight-yard line. Edelman in motion from left to right. Toss play White to the left side with blockers at the five. Turns on the speed and into the end zone for the touchdown. A statement drive to start the game for the New England Patriots. Eight-yard touchdown run from James White. And it's 6-0 New England. Second and goal at the 14. Rodgers in the shotgun along the right hash. Gets the waist high shotgun snap. Facing a four-man rush. Steps back. Throws to the left side. Back corner looking for Devontae Adams. And it's batted away. And now Crosby from 29 puts it right through the uprights to get the Packers on the board. James White gets the carry. Flips it back on a flea flicker to Brady. Wide open is Edelman at the 20-yard line. Down the left sideline to the 15 and out of bounds near the 10. Rodgers in the gun. Jones to his left, fakes the give to Jones, sprints to the left side. Rodgers wants to run, now throws for the end zone. Devontae Adams has it for the touchdown. A man just punched another man wearing a helmet. It was a slap, open hand slap. So and even so, it's still stupid. Pocket holds, Rodgers throwing for the oh, end zone. Beautiful. Found his man, it's Jimmy Graham for the catch in the back left corner of the end zone. And a touchdown, Packers within an extra point of tying it up as Graham has his second touchdown of the year. Brady gets the snap, rolls to the right, looking for Edelman. He's not open, looking for anybody. They're not open, and he almost threw an interception to Josh Jackson. First down, it's Jones with the carry, sweeps to the left side, across Bumble. the throw, fumbles the football. Ball is loose, bouncing around at the 22-yard line, and New England's got it. Third down, turns, gives to White, up the middle, twists into the end zone for the touchdown. And the Patriots take a 23-17 lead with 10.06 to play in the fourth. Rodgers in the shotgun. Four-man pressure. Rodgers in trouble. He's sacked. The pressure closing in as Trey Flowers got there first. Adrian Claiborne came in to finish off Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers will have to punt with 9.05 to go. On the sideline to the 20, at the 10, to the 5, and in for the touchdown. Josh Gordon, who went 55 yards untouched for six, and it's 30-17. to Rodgers along the Patriot logo, leaning in. Points to his helmet, movement along the left side, no flag. Rodgers under pressure, throws left side, it's incomplete, wow. and that will do it. The New England Patriots knock off the Green Bay Packers 31-17, and the battle of Brady and Rodgers as the two meet at the 35-yard line in an embrace with cameras all around them. This battle between Brady and Rodgers ends with the home team number 12, Tom Brady on top, 31-17. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Those were the highlights from our Talk Sports uh, Sunday night football fixture between the New England Patriots and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, the Packers were on top going into the fourth quarter, weren't they? 17 apiece and one fumble and it all falls apart. The, the, the foot goes on the neck from New England and 
Yeah, Green Bay season starting to look very, very tenuous at this point. So we're going to get to that. We're going to be joined by Matt Sherry, who was at the game last night and also in Michigan on Saturday night. Uh, he's out there uh, with Four Gridiron covering the game. So we're going to have a chat with him coming up shortly. Uh, we'll also hear from the locker room, his chats with Jason McCourty and Stefan Gilmore. And we'll talk about some of the other big games of the week. Rams, uh, big, big game. Uh, well, Rams finally lose to the New Orleans Saints. We're going to talk about that Steelers-Baltimore game. Teams trending yet again. Uh, we'll talk about the Cowboys and the Omnishambles that was their performance on Monday Night Football and Jerry Jones' reaction to it afterwards. Is Troy Aikman right? Do they need to rebuild from the ground up? Uh, plus, we'll have the latest odds with our friends at Skybet. Ollie Hunter, how are we doing, buddy? I'm very tired. Lots of things going on it. Life things. But I'm still managing to catch football when... I say to myself, I'm not going to watch the Titans versus the Cowboys. And actually, I'm glad that I did because I found it intriguing. Um, I thought it was a really interesting game. And I loved, I loved Kevin Bayard, one of my favorite players in the NFL, doing a TO and sprinting to this, the Dallas star in the middle, hands outstretched. He didn't, he didn't place the ball down in the middle, but it was still a great homage to, to the great TO. But yeah, it, I've recovered from the New England game. I find actually when you're working the games like we were on Talk Sport, because you're looking at it from a from a, a journalistic point of view and you're analysing it, I find it not so heartbreaking when <laughs> when it when it happens. So it was a yeah, it was a tough loss, and I'm sad that that it that it that we unraveled and after the massive momentum switch and it felt like something was was building it felt like Rodgers was 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 on a roll and then something which is out of his control happens which then affects his game and when things affect his game it affects the rest of the Packers both on offense and defense as well so and we'll hear from Matt Sherry and 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 those Patriots players as well and they'll probably affirm that as well yeah it's going to be a, a little bit of a ramshackle podcast today but that's fine because partly uh, of us doing this is that we're that we're doing this now because but we're going to be in the states the next time you hear from us we're going to be in san francisco and then we'll be heading up to seattle for thursday night football we'll be doing the raiders game the uh, the 49ers on monday night football and then we'll be down to la for chargers broncos as well it's going to be a cracking 10 days uh, with touchdown trips on the gridiron tour so we've got that coming up for you so yeah it's all a bit kind of ramshackle it's all a bit kind of in there so we're waiting sherry's going to let us know any minute when he's ready to dial up so while we wait for him Let's just talk briefly about Monday Night Football. The Tennessee Titans beat the Dallas Cowboys 28-14. to And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to read you the draft, the, the drive chart from this game, Ollie, uh, mm-hmm. because it is fascinating to read. It went missed field goal, fumble, touchdown, fumble, interception, touchdown. Finally, we got a punt, touchdown, touchdown. Punt, fumble, touchdown, punt, missed field goal, punt, touchdown, turnover on downs. It was one of the most ridiculously entertaining games for all the wrong reasons. So (laughs) heftily mistake-laden. And I think there is a real, real, real problem for the Dallas Cowboys and what they do going forward. Because 
I don't believe in Dak Prescott. I haven't believed in Dak Prescott for a while. And I've often stated this, and Matt Sherry has often thought that he thinks he's brilliant. He came in and he had an amazing rookie season, particularly considering the difficulty of the situation that he found himself in, taking over from Romo as a mid-round pick and having to run that offense. He did really well. I totally get that. He's never really shown me anything since that makes me think, yeah, this is their quarterback for the future. And yet after this game, Jerry Jones turns around and says, he's a young quarterback. He's going to get better. We will extend him. He also said, we're not going to be sacking Jason Garrett, despite the fact that the coaching continues to be terrible on this team. And I just, I want to give you an example because you can say that you don't think a player is playing well. And in fact, I'm going to give you two examples. The first thing I'm going to tell you, stats can sometimes lie. But this one was particularly intriguing. EJ Manuel, in his last 16 starts in the NFL, has 3,170 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Dak Prescott has four less yards, one less touchdown, and the same number of interceptions in the same number of starts. That's not good quarterbacking when you've got the offensive line you've got. You've got Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm sorry... I don't buy into the whole, well, all his receivers have gone, so that's a big problem. I don't think it's as big a problem as they're making out. And the other example I want to give you, it's a mistake he made against the Detroit Lions a few weeks ago. And I saw it at the time and thought, that's terrible from a mental error perspective. He did it again last night, which was on a crucial third down when they're behind, when they're driving to try and stay in the game. He rolled out of the pocket, he was under pressure, and he ran out of bounds. He ran out of bounds short of the line of scrimmage. So instead of throwing the ball away, he lost yardage on the play. That is genuinely a dreadful mental error that a third or fourth year starting quarterback should not be making. I don't think Dak is the future in Dallas. And I think they're going to really struggle this year. I think that's the Eagles division to take with Washington, getting all the injuries they had on, on both lines in this game this week. Yeah, I'd I'd be amazed if the Eagles don't win the NFC East now. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm I'm leading you particularly in this question. What did Dak Prescott have in his first season, which he hasn't had since? Uh, I mean, the line was more stable. Nope. uh, Des Bryant? Nope. He had... No, he had Tony Romo. He had Tony Romo advising, um, helping on the si- on the sidelines, supporting. And we've seen Tony Romo since then has been brilliant on on uh, commentary. We we can see that he's an incredible. He has an incredible football mind. He was quite clearly uh, mentoring Dak Prescott through that first year. Uh, you know, he, he was the Dak Prescott was the extension of Tony Romo, who was injured during that time. Now that Romo is gone, Dak's only got Jason Garrett or whoever else the the the, the quarterbacks coach or the offensive coordinator, and they are not doing what Romo was doing. And that is, I think, the reason why we've seen a drop off in Dak Prescott because he hasn't had that continual support, that, that excellent support that is obvious now that Romo provided. Ollie, it's one of the best things you've ever said. You're absolutely spot on. That is bang on the money. And 
I think the tech from a yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's a big problem for him. And I actually think that's the the other thing is once you have game film on a quarterback, you often see people yeah. regress from a very good start to life in the NFL. Uh, and uh, I don't think Dak Prescott has the skill set of say Pat Mahomes, who can change things up even if people are figuring you out. Um, so that's that. And I say about the Titans, four and four. You know they're back in the playoff race. I think the AFC. Uh, I kind of feel like the, the six teams in the FC right now are the, are the six that I fancy for uh, making it into the playoffs because what the Chargers or Chiefs, one of those is going to go to the playoffs as a wild card. That's one decided already. And then I'd be kind of surprised if it's not the Bengals or the Steelers, whoever doesn't win that division. Mm. So um, it becomes very tough to get a wild card in that in that conference wouldn't be surprised if you have to go 10 and 6 to do it at least if not 11 and 5 and then there's tiebreakers and everything else so um the titans back on track and a really good performance but not probably possibly maybe too little too late the season's still on though that's what you still want at this point isn't it uh we're still waiting for sherry apparently he's just making his way out to the car they've been interviewing players in ann arbor in michigan because they went to michigan flew to boston Spent a day in Boston and then drove back to Michigan again. Michigan again, classic, uh, classic gridiron organization. I promise wow. that our tour is going to be more organized than that. Uh, I want to talk about from the other games, and we will get on to Ram Saints. I promise you. I want to talk about the Carolina Panthers. Oh, the Carolina Panthers, and there's a bit of a, there's a bit of. Um... Uh, there's a link to our our tour. Our first game on the Saturday will be Stanford facing off against Oregon State. And the the main man out of Stanford over recent years, no, not Ty Montgomery, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> I can't believe I even said his name. He who must not be named from now on. Uh, but it's Christian McCaffrey. And he is just one of a few wonderful pieces of of offense that cam newton and ron rivera has at their disposal now do you, do you want to know something really funny about the uh, about the gridiron tour coming up go on the first time i ever went to to watch american football on like a tour in the states was when we went on that tour back in whenever it was 2013 2014 when we went with james dixon and all yeah, those yeah. guys yeah yeah um and, and obviously, we met you in Chicago and did the second leg of the tour with you there. But we started off our tour with Stanford on a Sunday evening game, on a Saturday evening game, just like we are for this tour. They were playing the Washington Huskies that day. They're playing Oregon State this coming weekend. And the very first play of football we saw on that entire tour, a Ty Montgomery 99-yard kick return touchdown. That just vomited in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> Just for you, buddy. Just a little special one for you. I thought you'd enjoy that. I thought you were uh, going to say it was a Christian McCaffrey uh, 99 yard. No, he would have been about 12. No, uh, look, the, the Panthers, we saw it with Curtis Samuel. He ran, I think he clocked 103 yards, traversing the field a couple of times to go on a 39 yard score. Um, they've got DJ Moore in there as well and, and Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers are, are fun to watch, aren't they? 
North Turner deserves a huge amount of love for what he is doing with that Panthers offense right now. They are turning things around in a massive way. I'm really, really impressed with what they've been doing over the last couple of weeks. And getting Cam Newton running an offense, this is a better offense than they were running in 2015 when they went to the Super Bowl and lost that heavy one in, in San Francisco to, uh, to the Broncos. They... Uh, they look like a really, really good team now. And when you consider that the Falcons are, are on the surge and are up to four and four and are going to potentially be getting Dayon Jones back in a couple of weeks' time, they look like a good team. The NFC South suddenly becomes super intriguing because the Saints now top that entire thing. But the, the guy I just wanted to give just a little bit of love to uh, was somebody not even on the offense. Uh, James Bradbury is, or at least, well... I think he is a proper number one corner now at this point. But the way in which he just completely shut down Mike Evans in that game, just one catch off 10 targets when he has been so brilliant uh, when he's been linking up with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He fits the system brilliantly well for what they do there, playing off that, that corner on that side with the rookie Dante Jackson opposite him. I, I thought he was absolutely sublime. And at a time when... They're not getting a lot of pure pass rush. And so he has to be really good as the down develops. He has to stay with plays. He has to stay with guys. James Bradbury, really impressive performance this weekend. There are a couple of things also, other things on that defense. And I, I, by the way, I agree with Brad, with I agree with you on Bradbury. I spoke to him when we went out to Carolina last year and when they beat the Miami Dolphins. And he had an okay game, but he, I, he said that after every game, he looks at what he does, goes through it with the coaches, and studies it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure most NFL players do that, but it's nice to hear that there is attention to detail in self-analysis. Um, but Eric Reed got an interception. He had a really nice game at, at, back at safety there. And I also watched the line quite a lot, and you said there's not much pure pass rush. Effie Abada who, when he did, was on the field, was actually double-teamed quite a lot of the time. So he wasn't able to do it. So it looks like teams have noticed his incredible and freakish size and, and skill, natural raw ability, and, and uh, counteracting that. So if he can get some more one-on-ones, perhaps we will see a bit more of a pass rush there. But that's, that's a, kind of a few things I noticed Panthers-wise. So I love the Panthers' performance. They ran out 42-28 winners over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, just to rattle through a couple of other ones, Cleveland actually looked a bit better under Greg Williams. I don't think it's hard to get a bit of a coaching bounce off what they've had, but even so, Kansas City, when you get in a hole against them, it's very, very difficult to climb out of it, and, and that's very much what happened in that game. We've mentioned Will, the foul. Will, what about um, the news that, of, of Bruce Arians and the Cleveland Browns? Oh my God! If Bruce Bruce Arians saying that the Cleveland Browns are the only team that he would essentially come out of retirement to coach, uh, isn't honestly, that a come and get me? Sure, it has it has to happen. Bruce Arians and John Dorsey are two of my absolute favourite football thinkers. I have been loving John Dorsey's work over the last year or so. Giving Bruce Arians a coach of that quality to work alongside, and it will be. I think it could be magic with the the young, exciting defensive pieces they've got there. This draft has had so much quality in it and they've picked so many decent players, uh, honestly. And then put them with Baker Mayfield, uh, a young quarterback with clearly so much, uh, so much confidence. 
and so much ability. Ah, I want it to happen. I so want it to happen. I could imagine them turning the Cleveland Browns into a perennial playoff team mm. for the next five to ten years. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And easily one of the nicest men in football, Bruce Arians. Oh, we, we love the man. He is a delight. Uh, just running through, I, I've suggested Sherry, by the way. Uh, we'll, this is live production meeting here. The, I've him, seen. Uh, him and Clancy could just record a chat between them that we could then throw to. So if they come back and say they're going to do that, then Bob's your uncle. That's uh, that's that part of the pod sorted. Uh, we'll get we'll get their interview straight afterwards. So um, what other games do we need to talk about? Falcons over Washington. I mean, Falcons continue to look uh, really, really good on uh, on offense and against a defense that held Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, and Saquon Barkley under a hundred yards combined. Got absolutely gashed by Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith. Uh, the, Washington's biggest problem, though, is that they lost a starting tackle before the game mm. and then lost three more linemen during the game. And they're all completely based on their ability in the trenches. I think that they could be a... Uh, uh, if any of those injuries, particularly to the likes of Scherf, are serious injuries that are going to keep them out for some time their season could be over at five and three and that's really disappointing and their main issue another issue is that alex smith is still alex smith check downs short passes safe Uh, it's it's interesting that um jay gruden hasn't managed to instill any other kind of way of getting the ball further downfield and and I, i i ranted a little bit about it on um sunday night football but the lack of using Jordan Reed, and I'm, I haven't watched clear, um, closely enough if he's being tri- double covered or not. But the fact that Jordan Reed, who was one of the best pass catching tight ends over the last two or three years when he's been fit, and the, the fact that he has been anonymous this season is an absolute travesty. And I mean, I'm not putting it all on Alex Smith, but you... you there's some blame has to be attributed there. The offensive coordinator, the play calling, it, it, it just not good enough. Um, Bears, Bills, Bears, Vic Fangio has made that defense just absolutely dominant. And they did it. Leonard Floyd was amazing. Uh, and they did it without um, having, uh, having Khalil Mack in there. Not a huge amount to say other than the fact that, well, their offense couldn't do much against that Bills defense. And it was a kind of really attritional game of football that, Neither quarterback went even close to 200 yards. There weren't a lot of yards picked up in the ground either. Jordan Howard, it'd be interesting to see, because he had only 47 yards, but two touchdowns, whether they try and feed him the ball a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, there's just there's not a huge amount to be excited about or not excited about from that game, to be honest. I, I might leave Dolphins Jets to uh, Sherry and Clancy as well. You know, I might I, put that in their hands. I think they they watched it, maybe in a bar, or they definitely watched it before... The Green Bay game, just a dreadful game. Moving on. Right. The, the, the late games were the exciting games, but there were a couple of tighter games. I, I mean, Vikings-Lions, all we can really say from this game is that the Minnesota Vikings defense, 10 sacks. Now that they've got Everson Griffin back, I know he, didn't, he wasn't the one that contributed personally to that. It was all Daniil Hunter, no relation. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, uh, um, by the way, my wife has taken to really hating that recently. What do you mean? Going, <laughs> oh, that not me going, joke. not me going, no relation. Whenever no. I, uh, I hear someone called Hunter, <laughs> I just I do it in the most annoying moments, and she hates it. So um, it's a real, I, it's a real talk sport in joke. 
isn't it? It really is. And yeah. I, really, I really need to stop doing you it. You really do. You really do. At Steelers Ravens, we talked about it before, but uh, James Conner, fourth straight 100-yard game. Um, and it looks like they're going to have Le'Veon Bell back if, if social media is to be believed. Them, on the, them against the Panthers on Thursday night football. What a barnstormer that's oh going to be. Oh, my God. That is a ridiculous game. I think um, that's the game that Sherry and Clancy are going to as well. Just an amazing, amazing game in Pittsburgh. Just under the lights, two great teams at the moment. Brilliant, brilliant. If I wasn't up needing to get some rest um, if I, and, and catching a flight and I don't want to miss another flight out to the States, I'd probably stay up and watch it. Um, I feel like we're, uh, we're going in reverse order in terms of quality of the games today, but John Harbour is in some genuine trouble, I think, here after the Ravens lost their third straight. Baltimore aren't the sort of team who will make a mid-season coaching change. I don't believe that. But to slip to four and five when they looked really good at four and two and the offense has just completely fallen apart, I think Baltimore are in for some, for some trouble coming well, forward. The thing, the thing with Baltimore is that you could forgive them over the last couple of years because they've had key injuries to key players, both on offense and defense. Now they've got most of their players back on defense, and it is John Harbaugh's offense. He's the, these are the players that he's signed. The players like Crabtree, Willie Sneed. These guys aren't being get. They they're not getting the ball. Uh, Joe Flacco's refusing to throw to wide open Lamar Jackson. There's some sort of a, annoyance there. It seems so. There seem. I think there's some sort of disconnect and unrest in that offense and it's not firing up at all so John Harbaugh yeah I think he could be in a bit of trouble um, Chargers Seahawks 25-17 uh, Chargers now five straight again we say it every week but their only losses are to the Rams and the Chiefs I think they are the third best team in the AFC right now it is only uh, the only teams I would put in uh, above them are the New England Patriots and, of course, those Kansas City Chiefs. They've been fantastic. And, and they did it in this game, despite the fact that they were up in a way that meant they should have put this game away a lot sooner. And there was that completely pointless third quarter uh, that kind of allowed Seattle to edge their way back into it and pick up the touchdown and get close again. But, honestly, the, the big thing for me is that what, even while the Chargers weren't firing on that, um, on that offensive side of the ball in the third quarter, their defense stood up. And I, Russell Wilson, legitimately at this point, I, I was saying it to you on Sunday, he's obviously a good quarterback. But Sherry and Clancy talk about him as if, he, as if the league goes Brady, Rodgers, then Wilson. I have him down at 8, 9, 10 right now in terms of overall play. I just... He can't put the team on his shoulders like he's done in the past. And they can't rely on that anymore. I just think Seattle... I, that game, I'm really intrigued to see that uh, Seahawks-Packers game when we're there. Because it's two teams who very much are still within a play, with a playoff shout who are flawed for very different reasons. And I think that's going to be absolutely make or break for one or the other of them. I think you're right. I, it, it, they're stuttering. The, char the, the Seahawks and they were stuttering against the Chargers and then the Packers uh, desperately desperately need a win to keep things going I think it's almost loser goes home season over for, for that game 
um, despite what, regardless of what happens, or saying if both teams win this Sunday, that is. Oh, I did forget to say the reason the Chargers had left the, the Seahawks in the game, of course, is because their kicking game continued to be an absolute omni-shambles and they've decided to make a change yet again in that kicking game. Uh, parted ways with Caleb Sturgis, brought the guy up who they had on the practice squad, who, by the way, played two games this year and hit 10 of 10 kicks. Including in Why? London as well. Why did they go back to Sturgis in that situation? Just absolutely bizarre. Yep. But there you go. They have made the change. Hopefully that now finally is the change they needed. Uh, Chargers charge on. The Houston Texans, 19. The Denver Broncos, 17. Again, field goal kicking issues being the difference here. But that's not what annoyed me about this game. Okay. It's the fact that the Broncos settled for that 51-yard field goal. When there was time on the clock, time to still move the ball. Now, if it's a 35-yarder, if it's a 29-yarder, if it's somewhere that's much more chip-shotty, I totally get. Move the ball into the middle of uh, or onto the preferred hash of your kicker by taking a down to do that. Take a knee, time out, take the kick. That's fine. That's what you're meant to do. I don't care if it's first down, second down, third down. Fine. Don't do it when it's going to be a 51-yard kick. I mean, McManus has generally been a really good kicker, but you had time to move the ball further forwards. Now, whether that was not trusting Keenum, I don't know. But for me, it felt more like it was Vance Joseph making a really bad coaching error. I think, yeah, I think he's made a bad coaching error because he's relied on the fact that at mile high... A 51-yarder is like a 45-yarder. You can add an extra five yards because of because of the 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 air, basically. But Brandon McManus has done that countless times for the Broncos before and made crucial field goals at home. And it just so happened this time they rested on their laurels somewhat, and he he didn't make it. He didn't nail it. And uh, the Texans that's six straight that they've won, and they're in control of the of the AFC was it the AFC South and I can't see them being unseated by the Titans just yet for the Broncos almost almost like that their season's over because KC and LA Chargers are just far too good in that division uh let's um for, for the Texans six on the bounce now after losing their first three uh I oh. I think they're going to win the AFC South. So I'm just wondering, are they the fourth best team in the AFC? Are they the most underrated team in football right now? Do you know, it's, it's a good point. They've got one of the most underrated players in football right now in Whitney Merciless, who is great off the edge. He's, he makes plays both on the in the run game and um in the passing game he he is he's he pressures the quarterback he's not as splashy as jj watt or jadavian Clowney, and i think he kind of ties that defense together i think missing will fuller is huge and demarius thomas okay he caught a ball caught the balls a couple of times i think he had three or four catches but he also gave away three two or three penalties for not being on the same page as the offense at false starts and uh he he was um he was in motion when he shouldn't have been in motion that kind of thing and that'll that'll dissipate with more time but 
I think it's a downgrade on Will Fuller because he, he's not the same type of receiver. He's he's, a, he's now a different type of receiver to Will Fuller. So they need Kiki Kusi back, who is inactive again for another another game. But yeah, they could be the most underrated team in the AFC. That's a great shout. Who else there do we think is under... Oh, some of the other the teams in, are doing... The Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. That's another team I think are in there. I They're think that defense five. is properly underrated. And they're turning stuff around. Yeah, I like the... Just another thought. It was a great time, a great week for them to have a bye. So to get healthy, um, to prepare right for next week and try and make a push at, at clinching the division. Because I don't think the division's over. Because the Houston Texans have the ability to throw it away, especially in games, in you know, in, intra-divisional games, inter-divisional games. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. All right. Yeah. All right. Matt Sherry and uh, Sam Clancy are going to record their thoughts and send them in. So we don't do, need to do Sunday night football. They will do that. That saves Ollie having to talk about it. Let's finish off our roundup of the weekend's games by talking about the best of the lot. The New Orleans Saints 45, the Los Angeles Rams 35. The Rams have their streak broken. Defense taking a massive back seat. But what I will say is in the second half, I saw, it, not unlike I thought with the Packers the last two weeks where their defense and there have been elements where they can still feel positive about what they had. The Rams, the way they stopped the Saints for the entire of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter and made that huge comeback to get back to 35 apiece was really impressive. And Jared Goff made some stunning throws. I know Pat Mahomes is, is the, the, the darling and rightfully so. He has been brilliant this year. But for me, Drew Brees is my MVP right now, and Jared Goff should very much be in the conversation. These are two quarterbacks making just unbelievable plays. Yes, they've got great players around them, but mm, I like what I'm seeing from them. Uh, just uh, This game was, a, as you say, uh, Will Barnstormer Gavin. This was a barnstormer <laughs> because you had the, the Saints running out to an early lead and then the Rams coming back after half time and just amazing plays and connections all over the field some some defensive stuff I think actually the Rams defense has gone missing recently there was the the particular the the the, the game winning touchdown from Michael Thomas where he then um he he has a a celebration tribute to is it John Horn um 
Oh, Joe, Joe Horn. Horn. Joe, Joe Horn, where he he's hidden a, a a cell phone underneath the the goalpost padding, and he he gets out and pretends to make a call. Well, that particular play, Marcus Peters is remonstrating with his defense, saying, "You need to be there. You need to be there." He's on Michael Thomas. The play is snapped. It, uh, Marcus Peters isn't even look at looking at the quarterback or his receiver. He's too busy worrying about what other people are doing. Thomas makes a double move on him, leaves Michael P- Marcus Peters for dead. Br- Drew Brees obviously puts it where he needs to put it. Touchdown, game over. Uh, brilliant from those two. But Peters is worrying about that defense, and the defense hasn't been playing to the co- the capability that it should be. I think they're really missing so, a key to leap. I think they are really missing a key to leap, and I think the problem with Marcus Peters is that that <laughs> this is going to sound bizarre the problem with marcus peters is the pass rush because marcus peters the reason why he had such splashy statistics of uh, all the interceptions and the turnovers he is a brilliant early in the down corner he can anticipate what a wide receiver is going to do he ste- he watches the quarterback he reads their eyes he knows what's going to happen he anticipates and he jumps routes he makes big plays but if your pass rush aren't getting to the quarterback and forcing the, the ball out quickly, the longer the play develops, the more he, the more likely it is he's going to lose his man. And that's what happened time and time again with Michael Thomas. Drew Brees wasn't having to fire the ball out quickly and on these quick fire. Like, they were, routes were allowed to develop. Plays were allowed to make off-script plays. And Marcus Peters couldn't handle that situation and was just absolutely torched. Combine that with a couple of just silly, amazing catches... And Michael Thomas has got a, a a record for the franchise, 211 yards on a player that we thought was, you know, all pro level a couple of years ago. I just don't think he fits that scheme there right now. Until they get some really good edge rush, Marcus Peters, I think, will continue to struggle because quarterbacks can just hold on to the ball. Yeah, yeah. And what um, what the New Orleans Saints did brilliantly, and you look at uh, the box score and you see the kind of numbers that the Los Angeles defense had. Aaron Donald, no sacks, one tackle. And Damakun Sue, no sacks, one and a half tackles. So uh, they've managed to keep quiet, though the main protagonists on that line. And then everything else kind of, as you said, fell into place. It, it was just a great game it, it, in an amazing stadium. The noise was unbelievable. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the divisional championship game again come the end of January. Amazing. And and as part of that, the Saints are desperate. And I mean desperate for that to happen in their building because if that happens in their building, I expect them to win again. Right, let's... uh, What we're going to do, we're going to go to Matt Sherry, we're going to go to Simon Clancy to get their review of Packers Patriots. Uh, We'll then hear from the locker room from Jason McCourty and from uh, and from Stefan Gilmore, and then we'll wrap things up, Ollie. Okay. Yes. Here are Matthew Sherry and Simon Clancy live from a Michigan car park. <laughs> <laughs> the laughter and stupidity that you can hear in the background is obviously the boys. We're driving to Ontario on this epic adventure. Off to see the Hamilton Tiger Cats tomorrow, <laughs> and that's. That should be really great, but I mean, yeah, we will talk a lot about that game on the on the drive, no doubt. It's um, it's 10 p.m. here now. We've already been chatting about our thoughts on the game, and 
You know, we were so excited about seeing the, the Hall of Fame quarterback matchup, but in the end, as as me and Simon said on the on the post game video, it, it was it was really about the, the Hall of Fame programme against the one that just isn't up to that level and I think that the um I think that what the game the last two weeks actually for the Packers have shown is is a real inability to close out these big games. I mean I think everybody would say the Patriots and the Rams are two of the best four teams in the NFL. The Packers have been at the very least right there with them and you could say they've dominated sections of those games. Me and Simon were chatting earlier about the fact that 17-17 uh, uh, Packers in Patriots territory driving down the field. If we'd have asked each other them, I think we'd have both said that Green Bay were favourites to win and then you know, in the blink of an eye there's a turnover, the Patriots have a touchdown and that's the way the game goes and, and, and that has been a frustration for Green Bay fans the last two weeks and actually a frustration that the two lads, Liam and Cy, asked asked Aaron Rodgers about and I think we're going to cut to that audio right now. Aaron, it's had a frustration over the past two weeks to play the Rams and the Patriots, two of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Been in situations in both games where you look like you can go on and win and not got the job done in, in both cases. Yeah, it's frustrating. 27-26 uh, against the Rams with a chance to go uh, down the field again and, and uh, you know, put the game away. And then 17-17, you know, switching ends there, you know, inside their 40. Um, already in field goal range to take the lead. Um, and, you know, Jonesy's had a, a really nice year for us. So, you know, that one play obviously doesn't lose the game. But uh, it's plays like that um, by all of us, myself included, that have just hindered us from finishing games out. You know, we, and I say it all the time. You, every year you have to learn how to win again. And we have to learn how to win on the road. You know, we've lost four road games. We haven't lost at home. You know, we've tied, but we haven't lost at home. But uh, we've played two great teams uh, who could be considered, although the Rams lost today, two of the top teams in the NFL in their respective conferences. And we had a chance to win both games. Aaron, is the flip side to your frustration the fact that you are so close? You were close last week, you were close today, and it's just getting across the line in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, it's very frustrating because uh, there's plays in every game that would put us in a better situation if we can get that, you know, that, that playoff and maybe we get seven instead of three earlier in the game and then it sets a different tone. If we can, uh, you know, if we don't fumble the ball there, if, we, uh, if I hit Devontae, you know, down 24-17 on second down there. Um, who knows? Uh, we made some good plays. You know, Marquez had three nice catches for us. Jimmy made some plays. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we all got to play better, myself included. So, yeah, it was. I think it was a somber Aaron Rodgers. From from what the guys said, he, he opened the press conference with a little bit of bad language, wasn't happy with the cameras flashing in his face. So, so I think he was irritated, and you can understand why, because, you know, he must look across that sideline and see... Bill Belichick, a guy who has consistently put Tom Brady in position to succeed and think, why have I not had that in my career? And increasingly, I think the spotlight turns on on Mike McCarthy, who, let's be honest, he, if they don't make the playoffs, he, he definitely doesn't keep his job. And frankly, if, if they don't get deep into the playoffs, he shouldn't keep his job either. But there are some positives for Green Bay. Their defence is looking a lot better. That Mike, Mike Patin scheme is it's really difficult to grasp early on. But when it works... It's really difficult, and it really confused Tom Brady in the second half of that game. I thought that the Packers' D completely had Brady's number, and it took trick plays from the Patriots to win the game. So, so I think that's a really good sign for Green Bay, and 
with Rodgers on the other side of a good defence they become a different proposition but huge game at Lambeau this week against Miami which we'll be at and, and Green Bay need to win that because the schedule the schedule becomes more difficult again after that they've got a, a road game against the Vikings they've got other tricky in division games they have to go to Soldier Field so so that's a huge game that they need to win otherwise I think they've got no chance of getting to the playoffs and as Simon mentions the Dolphins are five and four so maybe a little bit of a trap game there as well so that's a big one for Green Bay on Sunday because they they definitely should get the job done as for as for the Patriots it was obviously a little bit more jubilant in the locker room it went in it went in the Bill Belichick press conference actually and and he seemed unbelievably happy I mean he, he was we know what Belichick's like but he was he was effusive in his place for Rodgers but also you're always know he's in a good mood when he really answers questions and he did and he was he was informative on things after the game that usually he wouldn't be so I think that was emblematic of the mood in the Patriots locker room and and the theme of the game was what we said the Patriots are used to winning those big games at the end of the game and the Packers just don't seem to have that formula at the moment and it was that which I asked the, the guys in the Patriots locker room about and also a little bit about Aaron Rodgers of course as well so I went for a couple of defensive backs you'll hear Stefan Gilmore first and then Jason McCordy on the tail end of that um, yeah so as, as I say it was just it, it was a great matchup between two great quarterbacks but actually the irony was that those guys weren't really the story of the game so New England roll on now the the they're sitting where they usually are right in the mix for the for the first seed in the AFC they've got the tiebreaker over Kansas City but obviously have one more defeat so they'll be hoping the Chiefs win uh, lose a game sorry the rest of the year as for the Packers I mean I think it's 3-4-1 now they need to they need to really pull it out on Sunday get a win get some momentum there's been some really good signs the last two weeks and Listen, we see teams make these late season runs all of the time. Me and Cy were saying that the Atlanta Falcons look like a team who could be primed to do just that, even with their injuries. So the Packers are a team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Need to get the job done on Sunday. And I think from an NFL perspective, we all want the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers in. So let's hope they do. I'll leave it to you guys, and I'm sure we'll speak next week after Packers-Dolphins when Simon Clancy will no doubt have lost his mind. Cheers, guys. Matt Sherry and Simon Clancy uh, there for you. Let's hear from the locker room after the game. Uh, we'll hear from Stefan Gilmore in a moment. First of all, Matt Sherry and amazingly, Jason McCoy actually understanding the questions he's asking. You've obviously just, just come to the, to the team this year and that, that felt like kind of a, almost a typical period to playoff game almost in that it comes down to those big players at the end of the game and this team more than most seems to come up with the big players at the key time. What, as someone who's been in kind of different organisations, what do you put that down to in terms of being here now? Man, I really don't know because this is the first that I've kind of been a part of it and seen it firsthand, you know. Uh, for me throughout my career, I've been on the other end of a lot of games like this of not uh, being able to finish it. And here I just think there's a, um, just find ways to get it done. I think uh, between players and coaches, um, throughout the course of a game, communication is huge, uh, talking about what we're getting, adjusting to it. Um, so it's just been fun to be a part of it and uh, play whatever role I have week in and week out to be able to help uh, come out with wins. It felt like this game kind of symbolized that. You've got the double pass on offense, kind of all these little players that are just manufacturing bits of offense when you've got guys out. Is that kind of unique in the league, certainly, from, from the experiences that you've had? 
that, that ability to just find a way always? Yeah, I think that you see that in, in teams that find a way to win. I mean, even um, for them on the other side of the ball, when you have two quarterbacks like this, um, you're going to adjust. They're not going to keep doing the same thing. And uh, They made adjustments, we made adjustments, and it was back and forth. And I think being able to come up with a turnover and then the offense going down, capitalizing it, and getting a stop scoring, like that was the swing in the game that we needed. Uh, to be able to come out on top. And what's it like as a player now in, a, in an environment like this where you you kind of know that those adjustments are going to be made to put you guys in position to succeed? It's just fun, man. Um, I tell these guys all the time, man, how much fun it is um, just coming in after a game and you're on top of the scoreboard. Like that just, um, sometimes you just pass that over and um, it just seems like a weekend and week out thing, but it's huge, man. Winning in this in this league is hard, so being able to do that, uh, it's just it's a great feeling. And you held those guys down pretty good, but Aaron Rodgers still made some Aaron Rodgers type plays. I mean, oh, oh, let me get dressed first before I came. Uh, what's it like as a defensive back when? You kind of feel like the play is over and then you turn around and it's still going on. Uh, you go into a game like this and you know, like Aaron Rodgers is just an ordinary quarterback that you play every Sunday. So um, a, a huge amount of respect for him. And we knew coming into the game, uh, one thing we talked about is that they're going to make some plays. Put the good ones behind you, put the bad ones behind you and move on to the next one. So we knew coming into this game we were going to have to do that and not uh, be stuck on any play. And just finally, you've played against both Tom and Aaron in your, in your career. And now, obviously, had a chance to see Tom up close. Is, are there any, are there any traits that you feel like bind those two guys together and, and show why they're the players that they are? Uh, the biggest trait is that they'll both be uh, in Canton uh, when they're done playing. So, um, just tremendous, tremendous quarterbacks. The ability uh, to read. I think there was a snap um, tonight where our safeties were disguising and they got out late, and Aaron Rodgers looked at him and laughed. And it's just that type of knowledge and competitiveness as the same with just seeing Tom on a daily basis. Uh, so it just, it's just fun to be able to compete against guys of that nature. Brilliant. Thanks, man. No Congratulations. Problem. Stefan, great win. That, that game almost had a kind of a playoff feel to it in that it was it was about making those big plays at those big times in the fourth quarter. What kind of vibe did you get from that in the stadium? We knew it was going to be a big game for us. And they got a great offense, great quarterback, so we knew it was going to take 60 minutes to win a football game. And you've been here a year now. How how much do those players, the strip sack and the the reverse pass and all that, how much does that come down to kind of the culture of the Patriots and, and the coaching levels and with how organized you guys are? It's big, man. It's how we make those plays and get the ball back to our offense and help us out. So it was tied up and we knew we had to make a play on defense and we did it, got the ball back to our offense. So that's, that's what we went into the yeah. I think it was the third quarter to do that. And you held them down, but what's, what's Aaron Rodgers like as a defensive back? Because it feels like the player's never over, even though you maybe think it is. He's a great quarterback. Great, one of the greatest ever players. So he makes some great throws. It's you know, hard to prepare for. Brilliant. Thanks, man. Congrats. Jason McCoy, Stefan Gilmore, Ollie Hunter. That was a nice, nice little little put together show it's going to be it's going to be amazing when we're both sat together in a hotel room isn't it in San Francisco let's not do it in a hotel room let's do it in a bar or something that's going to be much more fun oh bar would be would be such good fun booze uh, chicken tenders perhaps some blue cheese sauce some buffalo sauce some celery I love celery oh just it's starting to come home now that we're we're going to be off. I've only got two more shifts at work. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. I no, not even close. I don't even know where my passport is right now. Oh, so did that's you not what find I'm it? Do. No, I'm doing it now. Oh my god! I know, I know where kind of where it is. I've just got to remember. I'll find it. Don't worry. All right. I'm not stressed out at all. I'm a little stressed out. I'm not stressed out at all. Um, so let's finish off the show then uh, with uh, speak to Jacob from uh, Sky Bet to preview Thursday night football and talk about the playoff picture. Ollie, before we do so, any final thoughts? Uh, no final thoughts. Amazing. Go get some sleep, buddy. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Time to take a look at the latest offers then with Sky Bets and our friend Jacob joining the show. Jacob, let's kick things off. Looking back at this last weekend, a lot of the playoff pictures starting to become a bit clearer. Uh, all teams have now played at least eight games. So I want to take a little look at the, uh, at the playoff market if you're, if you're up for that. Yeah, yeah. So, because with it being kind of mid-season by now, like you say, everyone's played at least eight games. We're gonna, we've got a mid-season special section on site this week, so you can pick the exact playoff bracket for the AFC and for the NFC, and we'll give you a price. We've also got a couple other specials, like um, teams to win all their remaining games or lose all of their remaining games, depending on on who you support. So, um, and we're also, if I believe you're going to pick some playoff brackets for us and we're going to boost them for you. Yeah, so we've got a nice boost on either side. We'll start off with the AFC, uh, where I've got an unsurprising mix of Patriots, Steelers, Chiefs, Texans as my divisional winners, and then the Chargers and the Bengals in as my wild cards. I am denied over trying to get a real outside wild card in there. I quite like the Colts to make a run, for example, but I think these teams are in the strongest position to be the six. Yeah, we, I mean, we don't even need to talk about the Pats or the Chiefs. But the Steelers, they had a, a rough start, but they've won four games in a row now. James Connors looking really good. Maybe Le'Veon Bell will be back as well. They're looking in a really strong spot there. So are the Chargers. They've won their last. If if the Rams are able to return to the Rams and the Chiefs, if, if the Rams are able to beat the Chiefs, then that Chiefs-Chargers game later on in the season becomes very, very interesting. And their schedule is kind of favourable as the Chargers. The Texans, again, they've got quite a, a favourable schedule coming up. They've not played the Browns yet. They've still got the Jets to come. They've still got the Colts to come. I think they've got a really good chance. And then the Bengals. It's, Bengals probably one of those teams where in the a- NFC, I'm not sure they'd be near the playoff picture, but... There seems to be uh, a way in for some of these AFC teams where there's not as much talent, maybe. Now, on the NFC side, I've got the Vikings, the Rams, the Saints. I've gone for the Eagles to take the NFC East. And then for the wildcard teams, I have got the Panthers. Panthers and Saints interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. But then I've gone for the Packers as my final wildcard team, which I think will, will help us with those odds a little bit, considering we're uh, considering that their back-to-back losses over the last two weeks. Yeah, again on this side, Rams and Saints. We don't even need to need to talk talk about them. The Panthers only one guy, game behind the Saints. I think they're in a real strong spot for those two t- uh, two teams from that division. Definitely, the Eagles. They've had kind of up and down, but I think that division's. It's for me between them and the Redskins, but it's it's going to be could be fairly close. The Redskins are kind of sitting in top spot now, but the Eagles look like they could be coming good. And then the Vikings, yeah, that that division's interesting. The Bears are looking quite good. The Packers they have had those losses, but they've also got 
the Dolphins to come, the Cardinals to come, the Jets to come, the Lions to come. They've got some wins there to, for them to take. I think there's, they have got a chance there. So, yeah, NFC, we've got e- Rams, Saints, Vikings, Eagles, Panthers and Packers. That's 16-1 to 1 boosted to 20-1. to 1. And on the AFC side, we've got Patriots, Steelers, Bengals, Chargers, Chiefs and Texans. And that's 7-2 boosted to 9-2. to 2. Beautiful stuff. So 72, 92, and 20 to 1 on the other one. I like that. I'm going to be getting some on that. Right, let's take a, a little look forward then. Uh, what else we've got coming up this week? Um, we've, got a, we've got to look forward to a Thursday night football. It's a real cracker this week. Two of the teams we've mentioned there as playoff teams, the Panthers and the Steelers. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got, a, I, I've got a request to bet in mind for this because I think it's going to be high scoring. What do you guys think? Yeah, the points to- points total is set fairly fairly high. It's on the on the higher end. It's not as high as some of the crazy games we've had, like Rams Saints last week. But the the Steelers have been in some in some shootouts, and as of as of Carolina, they've been in quite a few games where they've been either we saw this week they were comfortable, and then they let Tampa back into it, and then the game before they were way behind and they came back into it. So there's an ability there for them to put up points on both both teams have got that ability so it could be a high score and a fair you're right so i'm going for the over on the points uh that's a uh 52 plus points carolina to cover the spread they're five and one against the spread when they're playing teams with a winning record so uh, over their last six performances as such so them to cover at four and a half points but then for the steelers james connor with the rumours Le'Veon Bell's coming back, but James Conner for over 100 rushing yards and to score a touchdown. So over Carolina with the points, James Conner and a touchdown. What do we reckon? So that's up at 10 to 1. I think Le'Veon Bell's definitely not back this week, even if he is coming back. And I don't think it's really affected Conner that much. If anything, it's might maybe motivated him more. I mean, He's gone over 100 yard rushing yards in the last four games. He's got 10 touchdowns, and that's seven of those have also come in the last four games. So he's on a real run now. And they're just putting the ball in his hands. He's had over, he's had 19 or more carries in each of the last four games. They're just riding the hot hand, and I could see them definitely try to continue that. So 10 to 1 for that one. Uh, you guys still running your touchdown trebles? How's that been going? Yeah, so this week, both of them won. So we had... Kareem Hunt, Adam Thielen, and Antonio Brown. That was boosted from four to one to seven to one, and that won in the six p.m. games. And then we also had Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, and DeAndre Hopkins at five to two, boosted to nine to two, and that won as well. So that's that's both of them winning in one day. And I believe through week nine, we've had seven winning touchdown trebles. So keep an eye out for more of those each week. That's well worth getting involved in that action. And is there anything on the request a bit? Yeah, every Thursday, as as per usual, we've got the request a bet offer. So if you bet your ten pounds on request a bet markets, then you'll get a five pound free bet to spend on anything on the NFL. So it doesn't have to be that game. You could stick it on the playoff brackets. You could stick it on your boost. We can stick on anything you like on the NFL. Beautiful stuff. As always, brilliant, Jacob. Please uh, remember it is over 18s only. Terms and condition at the Skybet website, skybet.com. Uh, and please gamble responsibly.